Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Dustin Hawkinsmith and Johnny McGonigal. Welcome in. It's the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live. That's Johnny McGonigal. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith here for another edition of the podcast. And it is Penn State Iowa Week. Whiteout week. So that's a real theme for what we're going to be discussing here, Johnny, with your uh, whiteout game rankings. If you haven't seen them, they're on penlive.com slash Penn State football. Now, if you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday, you might have to dig a little bit, but it, rest assured it's there. Uh, cool look at that. Um, Iowa coming into town. We have the latest from James Franklin. A couple little news things that he brought up uh, at his Wednesday news conference. We'll get into our Penn State Iowa thoughts and predictions. Johnny here, our recruiting guy, is uh, is going to give us the <laughs> a couple names to know from the visitor list because that is a big thing. And then l- the last thing we're going to touch on, and we're going to be doing this more, you probably have noticed it, but we're bringing in some thoughts from our Blue White Breakdown Insider Tech subscribers. And this one is, and I don't want to make this the focal point of anything because I don't believe it, it is, but the 2021 game at Iowa, I basically put out a call to see if Penn State fans were as ready as Kirk Ferentz was this week to move on from that rage in the crowd over faking injuries and, and all that. And, I mean, spoiler alert, Penn State fans, the, the subsection that I talked to, aren't really ready to move on from that. So we'll touch on that here at the end. Uh, Johnny, first things first, just the, the the couple things that I notice anyway, and you can bring up anything else you want, just from, from James's uh, Wednesday conference. Harrison Wallace, the odds of him coming back, and I think um, – when he talked about Harrison Wallace, uh, he really he kind of touched on injury philosophy a little bit and not pushing guys. If they have the, the luxury of the ability to wait an extra week, they're going to wait that extra week. And it sounds like that's what, what was the case for, for Harrison. Uh, got a shot to play, but obviously James isn't going to really get into that. Yeah, and this kind of goes back to when me and Bob were out in Champaign in the postgame press conference. I asked James about Harrison and uh, Wallace the third about Trey and I said, you know, was he, was this a precautionary deal or, or why did he really not play? Cause he was listed as questionable in the big 10 mandated um, participation report pregame. I say big 10 man- mandated cause you know, James Franklin and really any coach wouldn't want to give out that information uh, otherwise. Um, but he said that, look, that the medical staff makes those decisions and, Basically, he wasn't you know, deemed ready to play. Then he expounded on that a little bit after Wednesday's practice and said, you know, there's a difference between bumps and bruises, being limited, uh, being cleared to go. And, you know, or you know, whether you're cleared or cleared and have the ability or have the confidence uh, to go play like you would otherwise, you would be 100 percent, basically. All that to say, the fact that Harrison Wallace traveled last week to Illinois, the fact that he suited up. And the fact that he warmed up, I think, is a really good sign for Penn State to have him this week. 
I don't think they would have made him travel out to Champaign, Illinois, uh, to just be a decoy pregame. Because by that point, you know, the, the preparation's already done. The game planning's already done uh, if you're Illinois and if you're Penn State. And so I think it's a good sign for Harrison to be back uh, this week. And if he is, uh, obviously a much needed, uh, um, you know, a big boost to that wide receiver room after he had seven catches on eight targets in the West Virginia game. Didn't have to do much uh, against Delaware, but uh, after, you know, Keandre only had three catches last week and really the whole passing game was a little off the little things too, the motions, the, uh, the routes, just everything just kind of seemed, it wasn't clicking uh, last week. Illinois defense had a lot to do with that. And we've talked about that, but I think getting Harrison back would be a big deal for this offense. Yeah, I think another proven set of hands uh, is something that I don't know if I could have been sure about it the first game or two of the season because you had like Malik McClain, uh really did some good things in week one in particular. And, you know, you, you look at Liam Clifford who has flashed a couple some good things too, but it does seem like there is definitely, and James Franklin has made no, he's meant no words about it. The number one and number two guys are the number one and the number two guys. And missing one of those two does kind of get you into that terrain where you don't really have proven guys as, as the second option. So in that respect, I think Harrison Wall is the third, a very important part uh, of this passing game. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if he comes back. I do kind of expect that, but we'll see. Because Izzard came back last week and, you know, that defensive tackle rotation still has a lot of eyeballs on it. Still a lot of questions and thoughts about whether a dominant run game can can have their way with them. And I don't know if you've really ditched those thoughts necessarily yet, uh, because I is are coming back and what do you have a couple sacks in that game is a pretty good uh, starting point there to getting a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. You look at the three guys that came back the three defensive players who missed the first two games of the season. Daquan Hardy made an immediate impact with a really nice interception. Mean Vanover got some reps uh, at defensive end. I don't think the, the pass rush is necessarily necessarily clicking on all cylinders right now in terms of getting the kind of production that they want. They've been pressuring the quarterback, but uh, off the edge, they haven't been getting home as much as I'm sure that they would like to. But Kazai Izzard got home uh, last week against Illinois, providing that interior pressure that, you know, Penn State will certainly welcome. He fits right in there with, you know, Hakeem Beeman, uh, Devon Ellis and, uh, and Zane Durant. And yeah, I, I think this week with Iowa, you know, they don't have Luke Lachey at tight end. They don't have their top two running backs, or at least that's that's what it's looking like right now. With a you know being on the road and and all that, like and it being Iowa, you would expect them to try to grind this thing out, maybe win the game with a with a defensive turnover or two, but you know just not make too many mistakes. But if they get behind the sticks and if they're if they're you know in a hole, they're going to have to go out of their comfort zone. And I think that's where a player like Kazai Izzard. Uh, who can provide that interior pass rush that can that can be disruptive, and uh, maybe even free up those guys on the outside. Uh, you know, the guys like Denai Dennis Sutton and Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac. I think uh, that's where Kazaya could have an impact this week. It was a good sign for him to have that last week. And Kazaya is there for whatever it's worth is the most NFL looking defensive tackle. Would you agree with that assessment? I mean, obviously, like Zane Durant and Hakeem, like there there are guys who have some some skills and twitch and things like that, but. Because I is or definitely better fits the bill in, in my mind of what a future pro defensive tackle looks like. And James Franklin even kind of said, like, just needs experience and consistency, basically. And uh, maybe this is the start of something for him and uh, the start of something for that interior Penn State's defensive line. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on the whiteout game rankings, too, that, that you put out. Those are those are up, as I've said earlier, on PennLive.com. Uh, and for me, I, I feel like looking back on these, 
uh, is just a, a good excuse for Penn State fans to remember some of the plays along the way. Because you can't have great games without great plays. And certainly, you know, between the, the multi-overtime Michigan game and uh, beating Ohio State at home, uh, the White House has provided a ton of those. Yeah, and and the way that I, I framed it was, you know, the, the five really the most memorable. Uh, it says best in the headline, but as I write it, you know, as I wrote it out, it was it was the, the way that I had approached it was the five most memorable games. And uh, so, unfortunately for Penn State fans, you know, the the fourth and five Ohio State game made the list because it is memorable uh, for all the wrong reasons. Uh, but there were some obviously obvious highlights. Uh, in there, the 2016 blocked field goal. You know, Grant Haley will score. Chris Fowler has had some great calls over the years for Penn State whiteouts. The Saquon Barkley say bye bye. I threw in as an honorable mention uh, that win over Michigan. Uh, that was back in what 2017, I believe. The, the years kind of jumbled together. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 2017. Uh, you know, you had the, the the clip that gets thrown around. Uh, every time the whiteout comes around, Dustin, the uh, the timeout before before the first snap that Michigan had to pull in 2019, uh, because everyone at Beaver Stadium was going nuts. Mo Bamba was blaring. Uh, I don't know if you're a Mo Bamba fan, Dustin, but whenever it comes on in the stadium, it, it kind of hits differently. It's 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 got a stadium vibe to it for sure. It does it does? I just always find myself about that song. It's like. I mean, how many songs are there about like journeyman NBA players out there? We're not talking. This isn't Michael Jordan. This is Mo Bamba. Well, I think it came out when he was still. It might have been when he was still at Texas. And I'm pretty sure the rapper who sings it, Shaq West, is Mo Bamba's cousin, I think, or at least his related to him in some some form or fashion. That I I, I inadvertently showed my Mo Bamba ignorance right there. But I, I think the I think the point remains. The point, the point is remain. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, w- w- what's been really cool about the whiteouts over the years is there's always, you know, it feels like in every game there's a moment to remember. Uh, even the 2005 game, which wasn't a full stadium whiteout, it was kind of uh, the, the game that it was a student section whiteout that had set the stage for the atmosphere that would eventually become one of the best in college football. The Tamba Hali sack uh, on Troy Smith when Troy Smith is basically standing on his head uh, for a brief second. Uh, you have obviously the Allen Robinson catch uh, in the 2013-4 overtime game against Michigan. I remember covering that game as a student, and you know, for uh, just a peek behind the curtain, you know, reporters were able to get on the sideline for the final five minutes of regulation, and then if it goes to overtime, overtime. Uh, and I just remember running, like being pretty close to the Robinson catch, and then in overtime, running up and down the field on the sidelines. I, I, you know, knew in that moment what Joe Hermit feels like every single overtime game. I never thought about thought about Joe's overtime journey one time in my life. That man gets his steps in. We were talking actually when we were driving from O'Hare uh, to a town outside Champaign Friday before the game against Illinois. And he was, I don't know if reminisce is the right word, but, you know, <laughs> talking about how he was running up and down the field time and time again for that, uh, for that, you know, million overtime game against Illinois in 2021. Uh, and I just responded. I said, Joe, you got your steps in. And, uh, you know, that's that's just the way that's the way you got to look at it. But um, but no, obviously a lot of whiteout memories and, uh, you know, a real opportunity to make uh, to make another one here on Saturday night against Iowa, uh, a team that is a two touchdown underdog. And like you mentioned at the top, Dustin, these fans are going to be these fans are going to be charged up. Uh, and with it being a night game, there's going to be a lot of tailgating, uh, a lot of, and a lot of reason to boo Kirk Ferentz coming out of that tunnel 
uh, when, when he does take the field on Saturday. This is the Blue White Breakdown. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I do want to talk about the game itself real quick. You mentioned 14 and a half point spread. It's a surprising figure in when, when you view the Penn State-Iowa series in its totality and the way that these games tend to go and the squirreliness to them. And, you know, they, they, there's not a lot of blowouts involved. And Iowa, Iowa's a team that kind of plays. It's hard to blow them out, I think. But, you know, Penn State, superior athletically, home field advantage, uh, better quarterback, uh, better premium, you know, pass rushers, cornerback. I mean, uh, Iowa secondary, their their defense, they they do what they do, and they do it extremely well. Uh, James Franklin called it, you know, a base package defense. There's not a lot of secret to what they're doing, but it's it's just hard to beat them. It's hard to beat Phil Parker at that game. So that's the that's the challenge for Penn State's offense as they come off a not so sharp performance on the road at Illinois. Uh, do you think Penn State has blowout capability here? I I absolutely do. If if any game in this series kind of set up, especially the way that, that I was limping into this thing, uh, there there is a real shot. There's an avenue here for Penn State to to run away with this thing. I, I do. I think there's potential in there. Uh, my pick uh, for this game was Penn State 24, Iowa 6, which seems like it's like a just a slug it out kind of game. But I think even if it's 24 to 6 or 28 to 6 or whatever it may be, it's going to be one of those games that uh, the final score doesn't indicate how big the gap was be- between these two teams. But the, the potential is certainly there because I have no faith whatsoever. First of all, Brian Ferentz, as an offensive coordinator, as a play caller, uh, congrats on putting 41 on Western Michigan. You're not going to do that, not going to come close to that uh, against Penn State this weekend. And I think this running game from for Penn State, it's just it's just waiting to pop. Like Nick Singleton is just waiting, uh, is biding his time, is being patient for one of those holes to open and for him to take it seventy. Uh, and I think he has a chance to do that uh, this weekend. And if one of those moments happen and it just snowballs from that point, like we've seen it happen before, we've seen it happen in general against Iowa in the past, and we've seen you know these whiteout games can sometimes become blowouts for Penn State if you know they have the more talent on both sides of the ball. Uh Iowa might have the better punter. They they certainly do have the better punter. But outside of that, I mean Cooper DeGene is a great defensive back. Uh and Phil Parker is a solid defensive coordinator and knows what he's doing. Uh but if you're in a position where you know Cade McNamara is pressing and is trying to throw to one of these receivers for Iowa, receivers that they really don't have. Uh and Luke Lachey was their best pass catcher and he's out. Eric all the tight end is an athletic dude and can certainly make some plays, but I don't think they have the kind of firepower uh, to keep up uh, if it becomes that kind of game. And if Cade Mac- McNamara is pressing, you know, Kalen King maybe comes away with his first pick if they throw at him, which no one has thrown at Kalen King so far this season could be another Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy, uh, maybe Zaki Wheatley and KJ Winston who have been around the ball a lot this season uh, breaks through with, with a, a takeaway or two, 
I think that's the formula. If you're Penn State, if you're looking for a blowout, Penn State fans, I think it's you know running game, running game, running game, and then pops. Uh, Drew Aller makes a couple of big throws, and then Penn State's defense feasts. I think Cade McNamara can be you know quality quarterback in a good offense. I I just think the bar uh, for what he needs around him is pretty high in order to be that. Like if he can pull the strings and have elite weapons around him, that's great. Uh, I had a similar sentiment, I think, about Sean Clifford, but I think Sean Clifford is a better quarterback than uh, – was a better quarterback than Cade McNamara is. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really view it as if he doesn't have a good play caller, which I think universally, that that's that's the thought out there with Brian Ferentz, and I think and I think it goes beyond just nepotism. And I, and I can't help but feel like Iowa is in this vortex that Penn State was in when Jay Paterno was the quarterback's coach, and they couldn't develop any quarterbacks. You know, I think Penn State fans have been in this boat before. But yeah, I, I think that if, if Cade McNamara is behind the chains, which I re, I very much believe he's going to be behind the chains pretty often, then mistakes are going to be made. And I think you I think you said something that to that effect too, and I completely agree with it. You know, they they have to they have to be pretty efficient to keep Cade McNamara in manageable situations. If not, it has a chance to be disastrous. Yeah, and, and one person that we and really two two players that we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, that could really put them behind the chains or make them pay when they're behind the chains. I mentioned you know, pretty much everyone in the secondary, everyone that they have in that talented secondary. But Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs are two guys who, you know, they've made some plays this year. And obviously Abdul had an interception uh, last week at Illinois. Great pass by Luke Altmaier. Uh, Abdul was wide open over the middle. <laughs> you're, you're, you're spicy today, Johnny. I like it. Yeah, I've had my coffee. <laughs> I just think those two have an opportunity to tee off. And if you get in those, you know, if they get behind the sticks, Iowa, and, and if it's second and long, third and long, and the Prowler package comes out and, and Manny dials it up and he's really getting after him, uh, I could see a strip sack for Curtis or Abdul. They're just two guys who are too talented not to make plays in, the, in these kind of environments and against these kind of teams that really these offenses that are limited. Like this Iowa offense is limited by its play caller and it's limited by, by the talent that it has or lack thereof really around a quarterback. Like you mentioned in Kate McNamara, who, you know, was the starting quarterback for Michigan in 2021. He, he's not a bad quarterback, but he needs talent around him. Uh, he really like, he's not going to make something out of nothing. And uh, I don't think Iowa has much uh, to really test this defense. And so I, I feel like, uh, it's kind of similar to the Illinois game where you know the defense was able. Maybe they don't get five takeaways, but if they get a few or a couple and give you know Drew Aller and this offense some short field opportunities, uh, makes life a hell of a lot easier on Mike Yurcich in that unit. And I, I think that's something that Penn State fans, beyond just the result, if you can see a big collective step forward from the offense, or you see some big plays. And by the way, when when Nick Singleton found the end zone from 16 yards at Illinois. Did you see it? It wasn't an explosion of emotion, but there was a lot of frustration that poured out of him in that moment, which kind of leads me to believe that if there is a big player or two, especially on the offensive side, that it's going to be an eruption of emotion in that setting with those fans. And I think there's a chance, you know, with the, with the, those makings of it for a lot of, of loud whiteout moments, if they fulfill it and deliver on that. Um, For sure. Yeah, that was actually, it's funny you mentioned uh, Nick's reaction after scoring that touchdown in Illinois, because that was the lead of my story, my my Monday morning story about, you know, 
a lot of final thoughts from the Illinois game and uh, readers, if you haven't yet, go check that out. A, little, a lot of tidbits and observations uh, from that win. But the lead, the, the main part of the story was about Nick and his patience. And yeah, I wouldn't blame him if he's a little frustrated because that 16-yard touchdown run is his longest run of the season so far. He had a 14-yarder against West Virginia. I think it, his long against Delaware was nine. Uh, so he's been grinding out yards and, and doing a, a fine job at it and taking what the defense is giving him and fighting for those extra feet and yards. But he he wants a breakout run. He he does. And I think if it's not this week, it's certainly next week against Northwestern. But if you can do it in front of a whiteout crowd, like I mentioned earlier, that's a moment, that's a kind of play that can snowball in a positive direction for a team like Penn State and a negative direction for Iowa. Yeah, the, the big play component has been has been lacking. And you can look at that as saying, hey, they're not creating any big plays. Or you can say, hey, you know, they're averaging whatever they're averaging points per game, mid-40s or whatever it is, uh, without the presence of a lot of big plays. And that's kind of where I'm viewing things so far, is that Penn State has not ha- delivered a real A-plus effort offensively, both in terms of season-wide and I think even, even within games. Uh, they haven't delivered an A-plus effort yet. And if they do get to that point, then you are kind of thinking about a championship-type team. And that's what everybody is waiting to see. All right, one last thing. I wa- I mentioned it earlier. Uh, I I polled fans uh, from our blue-white uh, breakdown insider text about how they're feeling about 2021. And I brought this up because Kirk Ferentz, um, Iowa's coach, seemed very eager. Like, hey, you know, it's water under the bridge now. But I don't know if that's his bridge and his water – to say what's going where. Uh, I, I think the, you know, from my vantage point, I know that Iowa fans feel like they were wronged by Penn State, you know, having injury issues and stuff like that. Any objective observer would say that that crowd and then Coach Kirk, Kirk Ferentz was wrong for indulging in it after the game was wrong. So I, I basically, I put out the question, Kirk Ferentz said this week, the Hawkeyes have moved on from two years ago when they believe Penn State players were faking injuries. The question is, you Penn State fans, have you moved on from it and universally the answer is no we've not moved on from it yeah so i i wanted to kind of share some of those things and if you want to get behind the scenes insights observations breaking news from all of us on the penn state coverage team check out more information subscribe to the blue white breakdown insider text 717-912-9969 text lions to that number 717-912-9969 so Dennis says, I, I, I hope so. If the fans boo, I hope the commentators at least mention what happened two years ago. Ugly display, says Michael. Total lack of leadership from Kirk Ferentz. Uh, hope we blow them out and the White House respectful. And I think that's an interesting thing, Johnny, is the idea of Penn State fans wanting to be loud and wanting to express the frustration, but also the initiative to make sure that they're rising above what they think was bad fan behavior and not sinking to that level. That's what, what I'm curious to see is how how fans, and I think Penn State fans are smart enough to understand they don't want to be lumped into that at the same time. But how do you walk that line between being aggressive about Kirk Ferentz and booing or whatever, but also being respectful? I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of boos when they come out of the tunnel, You know, when they first take the field for warmups, when they come out, after Penn State comes through the tunnel, uh, and you know whoever, uh, whatever person is holding the Iowa flag, and they uh, always run through the north end zone, there's going to be a lot of boos when that happens. But look, if if an Iowa player gets hurt, whether it's cramping or a serious injury, I would think Penn State fans, like like you mentioned, are 
smart enough and understand too that you don't want to stoop to that. Are there going to be students in the student section, you know, 19, 20 year olds who or, or whatever, like I mentioned earlier, tailgating all day, getting after it, getting into the stadium? Are they going to boo when, when a player goes down? Probably. But yeah, I, I, I'm really interested to see, too, uh, you know, from from the bird's eye view up in the press box and you can hear everything up there. Unlike some stadiums, Illinois is weird. You can't hear anything like we didn't know the national anthem was being played until about halfway through. Uh, the, some of those, some of those stadiums that you're so high up, and then also like the the press box, like the the, the glass is so thick that you can't hear anything. That's not that's that, that is not the case at Beaver Stadium. We'll be able to hear everything at the whiteout, and I'm interested to see how Penn State fans will will react to, to certain situations because you know an Iowa player is going to go down, and yeah, we'll just we'll have to see. But yeah, Kirk Farron saying that they've moved on. It's like you don't get to. I don't think you get to make that decision, buddy. A uh, couple, couple more comments. Jason B says, "Hell no, I haven't moved on. It's a revenge game. He gives Franklin his full and complete permission to run the score up, regardless of which string is on the field." And then Carol K, I had to say congratulations to her because she was the first to mention the six-four game. Uh, she said, "I'm not over the 2004. I dare you to score six-four home loss, much less move on from a coach who suggests injured players are faking it." So. Yeah, I think the the sentiment, while it's not a perfect and it's more anecdotal, I do think that there's going to be a lot of 110,000 plus fans in attendance who are ready to give Iowa their full energy, put it that way, for the Penn State whiteout. All right, that's Johnny McGonigal. I'm Dustin Hawkins for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown. Penn State Iowa whiteout at on CBS Sports uh, coming coming up this weekend for the first time in a really long time. So stay tuned uh, to penlive.com slash Penn State football. For all of our pregame and postgame coverage from there, Johnny will be back next time on the Blue White Breakdown, which you can download on Alexa, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and YouTube. We'll see you next time here on the Blue White Breakdown. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Live. <laughs>